Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and welcome to another episode of Media Matters for Anfield Index. So, uh, ladies and gents, it feels like almost uh, the morning after the Lord Mayor's show, but there wasn't even really a show, was there, so to speak, because you know which game we're going to talk about, 34 shots, but... It ends nil-nil, and I'm delighted as normal to be joined by the renowned and the respected David Lynch, and I do appreciate that, David. I didn't really bring you on with the normal happy music that we have recently, so hopefully we're not feeling too bad on this Monday morning. I know, I can't believe we're not reflecting on a win. It's uh, we've, had, we've had a good run recently, so we've, at least we've got something different to get into. Yeah, in, in a way, hopefully not too often going forward, <laughs> but yeah, we've got to explore it. I mean... <laughs> We were both there. We were both in the main stand. So we kind of, we saw it all from, from that view yesterday. I mean, 34 shots. I think the XG was nearly three. But I'm, I'm kind of swooping and swaying because I didn't really leave Anfield too sort of full of joy around the Christmas time with a nil-nil scoreline, especially what it was almost hyped and it could have been. I mean, cold light of day now you're looking back at it. How would you look at the honest performance we put up yesterday? Yeah, I think I think sort of in the immediate aftermath of the game, you're thinking incredibly disappointing, and uh, I think that's it's going to be the overriding emotion. I don't think yeah. like that because ultimately you've got a United side who are in total disarray, turning up to Anfield, Liverpool at the top of the league, or have just been knocked off it that day, uh, and have a chance to go back there with a win, and, and they don't get it. And I think that's you know that is going to be the overriding emotion. But I think. You know, in terms of the performance, I think that there are actually elements of it that were positive. Um, I, you know, I mentioned in my YouTube video after the game that I thought sort of back five and endo, you know, in terms yeah. of defensively and how Liverpool penned United in was actually really impressive. And we, you know, when we watch football games and you come up against the side who has a low block, um, you know, it's very easy for us to go, well, Liverpool were rubbish. But I think you can see from the manager's perspective why there's elements he's pleased with because it's actually really hard to pen teams in like that to, yeah. you know, you've got to be really sharp in midfield. Your defenders have got to play well. Everyone's got to be cautious about the ball over the top and, and counter-attacks because United have got threat through that. Uh, it, it, you know, in Liverpool, you've seen it in recent games, in fact, that they haven't always managed that well or stopped teams from getting right. transition 
So, you know, we, we can't just come away and just reflect on what happened in the attacking third. It's it's important to say, you know, you assess the general performance of a team as a whole and, and actually what they did in a lot of it was was really good. But I think where the negativity comes from, and absolutely rightly so, is is what happened in the attacking third. And it was it was really poor. I mean, it, it, it's it's important to mention the XG total because it, it really did remind me actually of um, the, the Champions League final against Real Madrid. Now, Liverpool came away from that with a really high XG total. And I got a bit of stick at the time, I remember, for, for saying I actually didn't think they played that well um, in the attacking third. I think there was one or two really top-class Courtois saves. One in particular was brilliant. Um, but actually, Liverpool ended up with a high XG total in that game because they took a lot of pot shots that yeah. you know, take you know 10 shots with an XG of 0.07. They're, they're going to add up eventually. Um, you know, and I think that's what Liverpool did in this game. How many times was Anana really, really stretched or tested, or or did United look completely desperate in the defending? Not very often for me. That that high XG total came from a lot of of poor shot choices and and and, and impatience at times. Um, so I thought, like I say, that I thought that attacking play and that 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 final third that that phase of Liverpool's play was was really really poor, and that's where the underlying disappointment comes from because that's been a bit of a theme recently as well and, and sort of, you know, they, they've let a poor United side off the hook by by not showing that extra bit of composure and quality when it was needed. Yeah, like, I mean, cause you have to be honest, they're in, dis- in disarray on and off the field. I mean, just, without trying to be disparaging, you know, Johnny Evans was starting at centre-half for them as well, so you were hopeful there. And even like you say, God, we're reliving it now. But I think Onana, all I can remember is that one where Van Dijk headed it, and it, but it was more a save for the camera almost straight above his head, wasn't it? But we didn't have a who's been a keeper that's really struggled sort of flying around his goal or doing anything like that. So, yeah, one of those maybe. I mean, you're probably right that the back five, they're the positives. And I'm guessing that's where the man of the match would come from for you, someone from that five potentially. Yeah, I thought it's kind of hard to pick. I think out of sort of, I thought all the defenders and 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 the goalkeeper, but you know, Allison not really tested, but he pulls out one really great save, um, which is just typical of him. You know, he never lets his standard slip. Um, in terms of the man of the match, it's, it's hard to pick. I think I think I would maybe go down the Endo route, possibly because I think he's the one player who, you know, he doesn't get a lot of the plaudits. And and coming into this game, he thought, you know, he, he's one that maybe United would look to exploit because he's been, you know, he's had some really good performances this season, but being a bit mixed at times as well. And, and and he isn't quite Alexis McAllister in what he does with the ball. But I think, you know, in terms of winning his duels in the centre of the park, I think he was the, the second highest amount of ground duels won in yeah. the game, which is impressive. And that's what you want from your holding midfielder in a game like that. You want him to win the battles. And I thought he was a big part of keeping Liverpool on the front foot. Unfortunately, he didn't actually do anything with that. But I, I, I liked what Endo did in that space. So for me, you know, like I say, I thought Canate and Van Dijk were very, very good in terms of their contribution as well. But I think, like I say, just Endo maybe shades it because I think it's a big game for him. And, and I think he come in and he, he didn't look... Like he was overall by the occasion or anything like that. I thought he was, yeah, I thought he was really, really good and, and, and gave Liverpool a platform that they should have used better. Yeah, to, and to be fair, I mean, we mentioned it in the, the Palace game last week. The defence has actually been, especially I say Alisson and these players, a stable part, which I know people aren't going to want to hear in the current sort of climate and everything that's going on, but has been a feature. And maybe if Ibu Kanata yesterday showed the best feet in the box as well, didn't he? That little turn spin and then just unfortunately straight Onana. But yeah, on a on another day maybe. Now, this is a strange one because when we talk about 
talking points. I know we, we've had to vi- visit VAR, referees and all those things. This is the one almost the talking points from the game almost came. I'm sure you've seen them a lot from the Sky Sports studio and what people said. So I did want to sort of put these to you. I mean, the first one was around Neville and Carragher when I saw the highlights back afterwards. They talked a lot about this, the atmosphere at the game and Anfield being the quietest type of thing. What did you make of those comments? Agree or see it differently? I was kind of really surprised by this, to be honest, coming away from it, because I, I, I didn't have the impression during the game. I wasn't thinking, wow, the atmosphere is terrible here or this is really, really poor. And I thought the first sort of 15, 20 minutes were yeah. loud as I'd heard it in a, a long, long time. I thought, wow, this, this extra fans in is really having an effect. But um, it, it kind of surprised me, really. It was a talking point. I saw a lot of people took it up on social media. A couple of things I want to say on this. For starters, the people who were not in the ground criticising the people who were there. I hate that. I can't stand yeah. that. I just think, just you know, that, it's not fair to do that. You're not there. And then there's also people who were there who were criticising it, which I also think, well, you were part of it. I didn't. I didn't hear any lone people standing up screaming their heads off. It, you know, it, it's just nonsense. And and one of the things on atmosphere as well is that. I'm of the mindset, and I'm sure people will call me English football centric or, you know, too focused on the Premier League or whatever. But I actually think, I, I think the, the atmospheres in English grounds are some of the best in the world. And, and, and the reason for that, or certainly in Europe at least. And the reason I think that is because what happens in the stands is so innately tied to what is going on on the pitch. So yeah. I've been to so many German grounds. I've been watching Liverpool there. I've been reported across Europe, seeing Liverpool in, in, you know, any country you could name. Um, and I've seen what the atmospheres are, are, are like there, and a lot for a lot of those sides as well. Been to Europa League trips; that's the biggest game they're going to face in terms of you know getting a big draw like Liverpool. It's huge. So I've seen some big atmospheres, and I've, I've seen, but in so many grounds across Europe, you, you get this atmosphere where it's kind of like, and, and you know, Dortmund's the biggest one that always gets mentioned. Yeah, but, and I, they, they really do fall into this category for me. Is that you just end up with this ceaseless droning in the background, singing, 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 and it's not. You know, it's not recognisable. So it's just this drone and drone and drone and it keeps going on in the background. And there's barely a reaction when a goal goes in. There's barely, it, it, it's not, there's not a huge lift when you win a throw in. There's not, there's, there's nothing. It's just, it's just, yeah. that, that for me is not atmosphere. So what you get at Anfield and why it's most special and what Dortmund fans, for example, will have experienced when they came to Anfield and they saw that game was this perfect synergy between what is going on on the pitch and what is happening from the fans. So it, yeah. It gets so loud when things are happening, and that creates moments like Genie Wijnaldum scoring two in in in, in five minutes, yeah. in a couple of minutes, or whatever it was. Um, you, you get it, it, it works together like I say in synergy, and that that's what makes it great. Because, and I thought what happened yesterday was that the United sort of rode out that took that first twenty minutes and and quieted the crowd down. You have got to give them credit for that. And and then Liverpool didn't didn't really give the crowd anything else to work for. And like I said, that start. I thought the crowd had given Liverpool, yeah. okay, here's the start, we go, we go, we go, you know, big cheers for corners. It was like a goal. Yeah, 100%. It was unhinged. Um, and then that just started to die off because Liverpool weren't doing much. There was nothing to react to. There wasn't, you know, these huge opportunities going begging or anything like that or constant pressure. It was just a lot of sideways passing, very sort of serene. Um, and, and the crowd had nothing to feed off. And, you know, people can criticise that if they want, but I, I, I'd much prefer that where it's sort of, the crowd provides the foundation at the start and then the the, the, the players take that on and then it, they work off each other and you end up with that crescendo that is, you know, sets up all these crazy nights that we've seen recently uh, in, in recent history under Klopp. 
you know, I'd rather have that than the, the, the ceaseless droning that people see, seem to want. I, I just don't think that's realistic. And you just have to credit United for, for sort of sticking a, a, a knife in the ball almost of the, the atmosphere and, and doing a good job of managing that. And also criticise Liverpool on the pitch for, for not giving enough to the crowd to, to seize onto and to cheer and to yeah. get anything going. Um, like I say, I, I, I would prefer it to work like that, even though you do end up with, yeah, okay, it wasn't the most crazy atmosphere yesterday, but I, but I totally understand the reasons why, and I, and I just think, you know, it, I don't agree with all this nonsense about Anfield's dead. People have been saying this for years. People have been saying this before Barca and and, and nights like that. So I, I don't buy into that at all. And I just think it was it was one of those where you just got to give, like I say, credit to the away side for 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 sort of quieting things down, and and also like I say, criticize Liverpool as well for for not not doing more to to g things up a little bit. So, yeah, I think you're spot on, especially that sort of first 15, 20 minutes. We were even like the main set. Everywhere was going crazy. We were pressing. Even there were moments later on, I think it was Gravenberg closed one down. It was a goal kick, but everyone was going insane. The crowd were trying, but like say, there's, if there's going to be peaks, there's going to be troughs at the same time. And you do need the players to do something a bit. You can't just be the crowd. Like say, it's not a, a European style where they're bouncing in the yellow, you know, the yellow wall for 90 minutes. You think of those Arsenal games. We've won recently in Arteta. Everyone's seen the Amazon documentary. There were still triggers, as in Arteta starting on Klopp on the touchline. That lifted Anfield that time. Or I think back to last season, we were, you know, it wasn't going well. Let's not pretend. And Granite Xhaka, for some inexplicable reason, decides to start shoving Trent Alexander Arnold. And that lifts the crowd, doesn't it? You need those moments. And it was just, yeah, I think, I think that's fair. The crowd gave it they needed something back from the players and it didn't really happen over the 90 minutes particularly. And the other one, Roy Keane was on his soapbox that Virgil van Dijk was honest about being disappointed in the way United played and all that. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. He went for the throat, Roy Keane, didn't he, around the Virgil van Dijk, one in 30, maybe a, a tribalistic response. I don't know, how do you see that one and what he was saying in a typical stern Roy Keane style? Yeah, I just, it's just total. It's just, well, Roy Keane would say this himself, isn't it, wouldn't he? It's, it's total nonsense, really. I just thought it was absolutely... I mean, the the thing is with the oh, has won the league once in thirty years. That that is annoying because what was Virgil Van Dijk supposed to do in the nineties? <laughs> yeah, yeah, couldn't couldn't do much about that. Do you know what I mean? And and I think and at the end of the day, it's it, it's just the idea that he's calling him arrogant for saying that one team wanted to win. I don't, you know, you must look at the performance and know what United have done there. They, yeah, you wouldn't even say they turned up to to win the game on the counter attack because they they offered so little threat. But I, I think he's got annoyed about that the Van Dyke has mentioned that and obviously he's, he's yeah. called him out. But it's it's sub fan channel nonsense, isn't it? And 
you know, having to go at Van Dyke for the 30 years thing is, is frustrating because I think, you know, it would have been nice if Van Dyke was around in the 90s, in fact, and when, you know, you needed 75 points to win the league that Roy Keane was getting. Yeah. You know, that, that would have been nice. Probably would have, would have won a few more, actually, if he'd been around in that era. Uh, unfortunately for Van Dyke and, and Roy Keane maybe looking to be around in that era, as great a player as he was. I just hate stuff like that because I can say it's, it's it's almost fan channel esque and, and and just trying to yeah trying to be controversial and get those little clips on on social media. I I, I don't like that and it, it you know it, it's almost like a, a disrespect to a, a player as great as Van Dyke. You know Keane should be recognising him as a a fellow true great of football, which which Roy Keane obviously definitely is. Um, but to to go down that route, like I say, it's just it's it's the Manchester United fan in him coming out and. Um, yeah, I wish they'd just calm that down a little bit sometimes around the Sky coverage and just have it a little bit more sort of, you know, sensible and less sort of trying to wind each other up all the time. Because I think, you know, we, if we if we want that sort of content and, you know, we will go to the fan channels yeah. and watch it. And I, I tend to try and avoid that stuff, really, if I'm honest. Yeah, it did feel that way. I think fan channels are a good description. And listen, we're all fans of various pundits for different reasons, but I think a lot of us analysis that's what we're looking for they're inside the bit extra so yeah fan channel stuff and we, we know the names can be left with other people but yeah sky will have got their money's worth so to speak i mean the only other thing i thought sort of thinking and again it was after the game maybe this is just me and i'm, I'm being a bit harsh possibly i don't know but jürgen klopp talked about the good performance and how he was pleased do you think deflection do you think you did see it that way just the goals what's your honest thoughts when you saw Jurgen Klopp's post-match take I, th- I think he'll, he'll sort of he will genuinely believe that in terms of it sort of feeds back into what I was talking about earlier about that you know th- there's there's two halves to a football team and, and and that he will have been really pleased with how dominant Liverpool were and how yeah. hard he made it for Manchester United to sort of get out or offer any threat on the counter or do much at all and he actually will be pleased about that, I think. And, and because Liverpool haven't actually looked fantastic in some elements of those in recent games, you know, there's been a, a general sort of, in, you know, stopping counters hasn't been very easy and things like that. But they were so, so on top in terms of uh, dominating territory. It's just that, you know, it could have been one moment could have opened up the game. Say Van Dijk's header goes in. He's sort of probably thinking like that. If Van Dijk's header goes in or just that one little ball from Trent, you know, if he makes the cross that, he, you know, some of the crosses were going awry yesterday. If he just makes one of them, Liverpool had done really well to to put themselves in those spaces. So I, I don't think he's deflecting. I think he'll know that there's work to do. I think he'll know that this forward line is is, is sort of becoming a little bit of a concern at the moment. But I think he will be, in general, I, I think he would have meant mostly what he said in terms of, you know, there are big elements of positives to take from that 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 performance and and stuff that Liverpool will hope to take forward. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, the, the Fulham game that we talked about, I mean, that was just end-to-end basketball stuff at times, wasn't it? So the, there was a solidity. And even, I know Crystal Palace, That it was a penalty still, wasn't it? That had to be VAR. It's not like Crystal Palace opened us up in the second half, I should say, time and time again. So he will be pleased by that. I mean, we've got, we probably have to pivot to this at some point. It seems a natural point in concerns. The forward line. Again, it seems another game, and you, you, I know you've written about it and you've seen about it. The stats, what's happening? I mean, probably the million-dollar question: Can you put your finger on it with the forwards at the moment? What you think it is, or is it just a combination of factors almost that we're seeing? I think it is a combination of factors. I think all the forwards kind of look out of form to me. Except maybe Salah, who, who, by the way, it seems to. I, I feel like he's getting a bit of stick really for the fact that the others around him aren't working that well. 
I, I think okay, he's not banging in worldies from twenty five yards, but he's. I think he's actually playing quite well, but it's being masked by the fact that stuff he's setting up isn't quite coming off, or you know, I think the movement around him is not great, and that that front line isn't going that well in particular. But I think you know Diaz and Nunez to me look like the the massively out of form, and, and I thought creatively yeah. yesterday, just in general, that, that, that Liverpool sort of struggled. I thought Trent had one of his poorer games creatively, even though he was you know defensively wasn't really troubled at all. Um, you know, I think he, he yeah, put in my video. I think he completes five out of thirteen crosses, which you know, you know, he, he's throwing them in, and they never really looked like they were, you know, you're never setting Nunez up for a for a complete right. tapping or a header that's straightforward. It, it just doesn't seem to be happening at the moment, and you know, and so that that creative struggle and, and Sobers lies part of it as well. In fact, in terms of his creative numbers have completely dipped off since the start of the season. You know, he's in most games at the start of the season, he was getting five or six key passes. That that is completely dried up. It's gone to sort of zero basically in a lot of games, and that that's having a, a big impact in terms of what Liverpool do creatively. And then on top of that, as I say, I think the forwards are actually out of form. I think Nunez is playing poorly. I, I didn't really like a lot of anything he did yesterday, to be honest. That consistently offside, um, you know, not really doing enough with the ball when he gets it, and also I think he has one shot and it's off target. You know, he used to be an absolute chance magnet, doesn't yeah. he? So you can't fully blame him for that because I think that's a lot of what's going on behind him. But also when he's getting the chances, he's not doing a lot with it or getting the ball out wide. He's not, you know, really threatening. You know, there's that one he gets sort of on the break and Simicast goes on the outside of it. He should be getting a shot off there. He dithers and the ball breaks away. So, yeah, combination of a couple of things. But I think, you know, you look back to the sort of start of this season and the forward line really wasn't a concern for Liverpool at all. Yeah. Uh, we're all banging in goals, we're all contributing. So it can sort itself out. It's not something that I think is going to be plaguing Liverpool across the remainder of the season. Those forwards can score goals and have scored goals this season. Um, yeah. I do think click at some point. You know, the, the defence, in fact, is a really good example of that in terms of that was the main concern early in the season was this defence going to be good enough is the midfield going to be solid enough so just finding that that nice balance and Liverpool are working through that at the moment what you hope is that it's just going to suddenly click because you don't have a lot of time in the training field at the moment it's just game after game after game so hopefully you know that that can all come together get Jota back soon hopefully you know as soon as possible and, and maybe he can just add a, a sprinkling of sort of Finishing ability to that back line and, and, and confidence can soar again and, and they can get going again because it's, yeah, it, it really isn't working at the moment. And although United, you know, they, they defended well yesterday, I thought they just weren't given enough problems and, 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 and that, that can't continue really because you can't keep relying on, on midfielders to score worldies or defenders to score from set pieces all the time. Yeah, true. And I think that word, you're probably right, confidence. You just see the difference between these. I mean, Nunes and Diaz especially just look utterly devoid of confidence at the moment. Not even like, say, he used to be a chance magnet, but doesn't even seem to be getting in the positions quite often in the, the first place at the moment. So, yeah, we, we just need that to, to click really quickly. And Just on Nunes, actually, Dave, I just think, you know, he's a, he's a, a talking point, isn't he, every single week? And yeah. It's kind of... You know, I, I said before, I think it's it's quite difficult to say which way it's going to go from at Anfield. And we're very much in a moment now where it's looking like it's not going to go well. What we 10 games without a goal now, not massively contributing much else, you know, not really getting chances anymore. Um, you know, it, it's a little bit of a worry. You know, we're into his second season now and he's he's got four goals in, in the league and we're nearly at Christmas now. Um, you know, if he is going to be the, the main man for Liverpool and this is all going to come together, surely it's got to happen soon. 
because <clears throat> yeah. it's it's really not happening for him at the moment. I'm I'm a little bit that that for me is a more so than Diaz, who has, has won trophies at Liverpool and is we've seen play be- his best and has had other mitigating circumstances around him. Nunez yeah. doesn't really quite have that. Um, and I, I, I will, you know, it could all come together for him. And I really hope it does. But I, I, I'm, I'm starting to become concerned because if Liverpool have, have made an error there and, and he doesn't quite come together for him, they've poured a lot of money into that, a lot of wages. Yeah. They're probably going to struggle to to get rid, you know, if, if that was the decision they eventually came to. And I think, you know, you think back to the the impact that Naby Keita, that being a poor signing, actually had on Liverpool at the time. They actually were able to cover that up a little bit because he basically just dropped right down the midfield pecking order. They only needed to use him. They didn't become reliant on him at all. That's not going to be the case with Nunez. He, he, it's going to be hard to relegate him down the, the pecking order with the amount of money they poured into him or to get rid. So I, I just think he, ha- he has to come good. Liverpool desperately need that to happen or it's going to really, really impact them over the sort of coming seasons. Um, so that that for me is 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 a big concern at the moment, to be honest. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, it's just so central. Even the way almost Salah's adapted and he seems to be going deeper, further out the creative role, it's for Nunes, isn't it? We've talked about that that link before, between them as well. That Yeah, it could well be the defining thing in our season, isn't it? And when we define it, it's successful at the end and we do need that to change. I mean... The only other con- concern I sort of wanted to, to touch on because I kind of left it thinking as well at Anfield. And I was like, I, I ordered two hot walks just to try and cheer myself up, to be honest, <laughs> afterwards. But literally, it's always going to be a struggle when Trent's passing, as you said, isn't on it. Salah's passing isn't quite on it. So Bosley's almost non existent, sort of dummies losing the ball, that type of thing. And I mean, it does really seem like. A night and day, because I mean, we think back to what we said, and quite rightly at the start of the season, we were turning in sensational performances. And then, and, and I get people saying he's tired, but then he had the full week's rest. Is there anything you put it down to Zabozlai? Is it like a new league, the adjustment? What are you sort of leaning towards with him at the moment? Because we've seen the talent, don't get me wrong, but the last few games haven't been what we'd expect or hope for. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised about this idea that Sobersly has been overused as well. I don't really know where this has come from because he hasn't mm. been part of the Europa League team largely. He hasn't, yeah. I know we saw him in the League Cup against Bournemouth, didn't we? But he's not been... It's not like he's been regularly hammered in midweek in, in the way that if Liverpool were in the Champions League, he would be starting Champions League. Yeah, yeah he, he would be doing that midweek to weekend. So he's not one of the players I think has been absolutely hammered in terms of game time. I think what we're actually seeing is... Is maybe just a dip in terms of you know he made an amazing start in this new league, but it but it is hard to adapt. It is a, a different setup. You're in a new team as well, being asked to do a lot of defensive work in that right sided role, which I 
one thing I would say about Sabazai actually is that he's really sticking to that. I thought, you know, again, yesterday he comes off the pitch with Liverpool, you know, you're feeling like he hasn't played well and he didn't on the creative side of things, but he sticks to his task defensively. He's one of the big reasons Liverpool keep United pending. He works back at, you know, wins, he, he won duels yesterday, which is something I've criticised him for recently. So, you know, he, he should be praised for that, but I think it's he's just struggling to find that balance between both duties that he's being asked to do at the moment. Um, and I think, you know, it is a new league, a new team that he's in. It's just a time thing, I think. I think it's just going to, you know, he, all the tools are there. I don't think there's any worries that he's not a good enough or, 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 or lacks something technically and he isn't going to be a successful Liverpool. I have, I have no doubts over Sobers lie whatsoever. I think everything is there. I just think he's going through a little bit of a dip at the moment. And, you know, same with the forwards. You hope he can just come out of it as soon as possible and uh, and get going again because he he can be massively influential. You know, he was he was the he was the main man really creatively for Liverpool in the early part of that season. Um, so hopefully he can he can get back there soon. I'm not really sure. You know, it, it's so hard, isn't it? From the outside, you're not sure what happens, what why a play comes in and out of form. Um, but it happens very suddenly a lot of the time, and 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 hopefully for for Sobers, like he suddenly falls back into form because this is. It would be a good time to find it right now. Yeah, it'd be a good time for a lot of them to find it, wouldn't it? Right now, especially this period of the the year that that's coming up, and it's a it's a mass. It's still a massive week, people. It's not maybe been the start we all wanted, but there's still you know some huge games to come. And we do a player in focus normally, as you know, David. And it almost seems timely for me. Maybe yesterday with this little pivot, unfortunately, put it straight at Anana. But Ibu Kanate, I mean, good again yesterday, and. When he's at his highest, we're talking a player that's played in the Champions League final, the World Cup final. We know the talent, the power, everything he's got, so to speak. He's not maybe on the pitch, shall we say, that we have big concerns with Ibu. As you know, it's the injuries, the muscle strains, particularly almost there. Maybe it's too harsh, but an inability to play two, three games a week seems beyond him almost, so to speak, with, with the, the body that he's got for whatever reason. Then again, people will argue pre the Matip injury, that Joel Matip had almost pushed himself into that role of Van Dijk's partner because of a you know a multitude of reasons that way. Maybe the schedule, who knows? When you're being honest, if you look at Ibu, how have you viewed his season so far when we've seen him? But I suppose in terms of he's been out a bit as well and maybe you could argue Matip's overtaken him before the injury. Yeah, I, I, for me, there's there's no doubt that Canate, when he's fit and he's available, is a is a world class option at centre half, and there's all the tools to be Virgil Van Dijk's main partner. You know, even ahead of Matic, because I think you know the the pace he offers gives Liverpool a bit extra in terms of what they can do with the high line, how high they can push up. And um, I just think there's no there's no questions over that. I think what you see sometimes is that when he gets the injuries and then he comes back. He's a bit of a rhythm player, so he does need the minutes to sort of get back to his absolute best. But when he's in that rhythm. Um, you know, he's up there in terms of centre-backs in the Premier League. For me, I think he's absolutely quality player. Um, you know, he actually saw yesterday because I thought United funneled the ball to him a lot because he didn't want Virgil van Dijk to have it and he didn't want Trent to have it. He's actually got quite a good passing range on him as well. Right. Yeah. A couple of nice moves where he brings the ball out of defence as well. So, you know, he's got everything in his game. Really, really like him as a, as a player. It is just that you know, availability, which is the biggest ability, isn't it? The most important one. Um, you know, can yeah. he shake that off? And, you know, absolutely, this would be a great season for him to, to not pick up an injury. If he could stay fit between now and the end of the season, it would be absolutely massive for Liverpool because, you know, that massive injury is such a blow. And if they lose Canate, which he, you can almost feel it coming, can't you, as a, a sort of a month off with a hamstring issue or it's it's coming at some point. If you can somehow avoid that, 
that would be marvellous because I think you know Liverpool they, they need him alongside Van Dijk they don't want to be putting too much on Kwanzaa they need Joe Gomez as a backup right back so you know it, it would be fantastic if he could stay fit because I think there's there's no doubt when he's in the team and, and he's flying that he's you know he, he's right up there in terms of quality centre-halves in this league yeah, indeed. And you mentioned for, for Joe Gomez, seemed to do well when he came on yesterday as well, to be fair, offered something down the right. But yeah, we just need praying that Canate stays fit. I mean, the only other thing I wanted to ask about you, it, it was in a, a French report that it came from nowhere that Liverpool were, and it's not been corroborated at all, that Liverpool were in talks to extend Dibu's contract that it's 2026. Have you heard anything on this? Are there any sort of rumours, whispers mentioned at all? No, I, I haven't personally heard anything, but it, it wouldn't surprise me. I think he's proven, hasn't he, since he come in? Like I say, that he's a he's a, a valuable option. He's still young as well, so he's you know in theory a centre half. He should keep getting better as well. I, I've no doubts Liverpool will will want to tie him down because he's yeah he's proven he's good enough. He knows what he's doing. He knows his way around the place. He's 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 absolutely settled yeah. in now, um, and they want to you know fend off any potential interest in him because he, he he is a he's a top class centre half, and, and and Jurgen Klopp's absolutely happy with him. If you like, I say the only the only doubt over him is that availability. But if you can just shake that off and, and have a good run, then yeah, Liverpool will be right up there in terms of contending for for top honors. I think because he's he's absolutely massive. He's a, a colossal centre half and a, yeah, been a really really another really really good signing. Liverpool have made in recent years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's all all about fitness, isn't it, with Abu? So fingers crossed on that and. I mean, it is, it is still a big week ahead. We talked about this. It's not, I know, the start everyone wants, but that doesn't mean it's a bad week by any means. I mean, there's the quarterfinal of the Carabao Cup on Wednesday. There's a, a huge game against Arsenal as well again on the Sunday, Christmas Eve Eve, as someone called it the other day. I mean, I'm swithering on this and I'm just going to give a politician's answer and then throw it to you, the stick of dynamite, really, because it's easy just to say, like, as I've seen some go, it's kids then against West Ham because Arsenal game, massive, that type of thing. And then I've seen the others, and I understand this as well, that no, this is a Carabao, it's still a quarter-final, a chance to get into the semis. If you look who's left or who's out the Carabao, you could say as well, it's a real opportunity for Liverpool to, you know, put a, a pot in the cabinet, the trophies wall, all that type of thing. I can't make up my mind, so I'm just going politician, I'm going to sit on the fence. Where are you steering in this one that... Are you thinking a Union SG style lineup again with the kids, or are you thinking no competition? Which way are you swaying on this? I think the manager, the manager will know that he's got to make changes because it's he can't this turnaround is too tight, you know, to go in Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday. It's it's too tight to to go with the same team or the you know the the best possible team you can put out on the pitch. But I think. While he's going to mix it up, I don't think we're going to see anything like the Union game in terms of, you know, kids being thrown in. I think it's going to be, he's going to try and get as many first teamers on the pitch as he can in terms of, you know, I think there's some easy decisions to make in midfield. Harvey Elliott deserves a start, for example. Yeah. So you've got to, you've got to throw him in there. Curtis Jones probably needs the minutes now because he's not been sort of in that first team recently. I think, you know, Endo, it possibly starts if Alexis McAllister is ready for Arsenal. We hope he will be. I, I think yeah. that's going to be the case. Um, you know, maybe even there's a chance for, for Alexis McAllister. Could he, could he get some minutes against West Ham to sort of get his eye back in ahead of Arsenal? That would be a huge boost. Jota, if he's around and about, can he make a sub appearance in that one? He was running a, about a week ago now. He shouldn't wow. be far for all this. You know, you'd like to think he can be involved. There's a start for Gakpo there, isn't there? Quite clearly. Um, you know, I think I think he can. You know, Joe Gomez at left back, for example. Quance is an obvious one to start. So I think. I think the options are there for for Liverpool to sort of 
mix it up but keep it strong and I I, I want to see them do that because I think you know you, you can't just let this go you know you can't guarantee that you're going to be in even if you beat Arsenal at the weekend if you've thrown away the West Ham game on the basis yeah. of doing that it doesn't guarantee you anything the Arsenal game except being top at Christmas and that is ultimately you know Liverpool can attest as much as anyone that being top at Christmas you almost don't want to be because it's it's you know yeah. you, you don't want to be the team who doesn't win it from there anyway so um so yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be mixed up, and I, I don't think it's going to be anything like that Union team. I think there's going to be there may be even a couple of surprise picks there in there in terms of the, the strength of the side. And I think I think that's the right approach because I think you need to make it strong enough to to beat what's probably going to be West Ham's strongest team. You know that they'll see this as a really good opportunity. I think I don't yeah, think they'll right. much. So we know they're a very good side. I, I think Jurgen Klopp's got to go semi strong for this one, and and, and really hope that. Maybe you can win it off the bench as well if 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 Liverpool can keep it tight and 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 you know get those forwards back in form that they can if they can win it off the bench then that send them through into the Arsenal game with a lot of confidence and obviously setting up a semi final in the Carabao Cup is big enough in itself so this is a yeah it's another huge game yeah true West, like you say West Ham they fans might well view this as almost their season their real chance to win something this this year as well I mean. It is another huge game. And then it obviously finishes the week, doesn't it, with the the Arsenal game. I mean, if you go in quite strongish, maybe that's my phrase for the this West Ham, with a sort of a nod ahead to the Arsenal game, and like say the chance to be top at Christmas, which will seem big to everyone naturally, fully understandable. It's right to say that. Have you got any way you're thinking he's absolutely and, and there's some obvious, I know that, like the Allisons, the Salas and that, they're gonna start against Arsenal, zero doubts about that. Have you got any others that you're thinking that people would swither that they've got to start or they will start against Arsenal when you're building that team for that huge game? I'm absolutely desperate to see Alexis McAllister back in for that one. I think that's important. I think some of the struggles Liverpool have had actually in terms of the build-up play, he would solve a lot of that. I think he would have been a really important player yesterday. In fact, as much as I said Endo played well and I thought he was excellent in the the defensive aspects and a big part of why Liverpool was so on top, just having that little bit more class in possession, just firing the ball through the lines might have made the difference and, and stretched United a little bit more. So, and I think against a side like Arsenal, you probably you're going to need that. You're going to need to catch them out when they when they went you know on the break almost a lot of the time. You want to be good in transition, and I think McAllister plays a really big role in that because of his ability to fire the ball off quickly. So, in for me to get him back would be absolutely huge. And I think I don't expect Jota to be fit enough to start, and I don't you know. It'd be lovely if he could come in for for a sub appearance in the Carabao and then start that game. But to have him available in any in any way for the Arsenal game would be massive because he loves he loves scoring against them. He's he's, he's for me is is Liverpool's second best forward behind Mohamed Salah as well. So um, it'd be absolutely great to get him on the pitch for that one. Yeah, absolutely. And even that is well, we don't know about. We'll come to injuries about Gravenberg, but yeah, Curtis Jones, I think, is essential. And it's just such a big week, isn't it? There's so much coming on. And yeah, we'll have to see next time we speak, which won't be Christmas Day, just in case anyone was wondering <laughs> or book that in at all. But yeah, hopefully we're talking in a positive. Now, we move to the normal sort of questions from the viewers. I don't know if everyone's got a bit cryptic or trying to... I think they've realised they can't catch you out with the transfer questions. They're trying to lead you down a path, I think, with a few. So this was an interesting one, but I, I picked this personally. And it was kind of a, if you were Jurgen Klopp. So one point off the top, literally, it's not, maybe it's getting a bit shaky in certain areas, not totally uh, across the board. Would you 
personally, and, and I, I like the way his question was phrased from one of our subscribers, that you should always look to reinforce from a position of strength that old adage in football. Would you personally, do you see that even if Jürgen doesn't, would you personally think, yeah, that's what we should be doing? We should really look into move from strength and is there a particular area that way? Yeah, I think, to be honest, people say this a lot, though, don't they? They, they, they say, people say, oh, you know, approaching tran- January transfer window, people always say, well, you should strengthen from a position of strength or, you you know, but they also say if, if Liverpool were having a crap season, that the, the Liverpool absolutely need to... I've never seen a January window pass where supporters haven't said that Liverpool yeah, need true. to sign someone, to be fair. But, I, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I agree in that, you know, that... Where I, I would like Liverpool, to, I always like Liverpool to strengthen. I think you know, definitely, I always agree with that in terms of. I don't know who the player is that would make them stronger, but I, I you know, I think going into next season, you've you've lost Matic now. Can you just get ahead of that centre half thing? Can you plug a gap? Can you get someone, you know, get them six months under the belt going into next season, even if it's just that, or you know, will it strengthen them there? Unless they think once is ready, totally Jurgen Klopp's decision. I, I, you know, I don't know how he feels about that. Whether Quantz is just going to come in and be that fourth man next season, I'm not entirely sure. But you know, I, I wouldn't be against seeing a centre half sign, maybe someone who could play right back as well to free Joe Gomez up to 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 let yeah. him come back in as a centre half. Um, you know, I, I'd love to see someone sign there. I know the, the Gravenberg injury is mentioned in the question there with, with it written down in our agenda, but I think midfield's not necessarily something I'd be desperately looking to do. Something there's a hope, isn't there? The, the expectation is that, that Thiago and, and Stefan Bajcetic can play a role from. From the uh, sort of in the new year onwards, so if you can do that, then you're looking absolutely massive in 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 midfield. I think one area where you sort of, you know, it probably wouldn't you wouldn't have said this at the start of the season, but be interesting to see what they think about the front line. Where you know whether is Nunez going to cut it or not? Because if he thinks not, if he thinks not, and he genuinely thinks it's going to come to the summer, and they're probably going to have a decision to make on him, I wouldn't mind Liverpool getting ahead of that either. Getting getting so you know a consistent source of goals in, um, you know I, I'd never be against that. In fact, I'd probably prefer them to sign a forward ahead of maybe any other position. I think because I just think you know you get goals on the pitch, it solves a lot of issues, it masks a lot of flaws, um, and and you, you know even if you don't have, you don't think you've got a decision to make over Nunes in the summer, you probably do over Mohamed Salah. So again, you know can you can you get ahead of that? Can you can you get in front of that? That that for me would be would be an ideal January window is bringing in a goal scorer, but I, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen unfortunately. And uh, but that yeah, personally, I, I I would love to see that, but I, I don't I don't expect it. I, to be honest, I'm starting to agree. Yeah, that probably that if, if so many are out of form, it's a call on Nunes is the obvious one, but a few others. But as you said, a, a goal scorer can just hide so many deficiencies, especially if you've got a good one. Just when you're playing poorly, you can just stick it in the net and change the game that way. So. Yeah, that would be, which maybe actually I'll come to, I'll save one of the, the Christmas questions we've got for the surprise round as well. But the injury one, now this sent everyone insane. I'm sure you saw it, the 200 shirt for Salah. And we had Jota in the photo. We had a seven foot tall by the looks of it, Stefan Bajsetic, <laughs> tall and newage. Now all of a sudden he's mass and always had that growth spurt from type of thing. He was in the photo. Tiago was in the photo. And let's be honest, Liverpool's social media team, they teased us, didn't they? Because Tiago was there with his boots and the hell, and that sends everyone crazy. And then we didn't see any of them, obviously, on yesterday. So there'll be that sort of peak and trough. Jota's back running. I mean, that, that's a great update. So we're hoping Alexis, we kind of got that, the weird injury. 
Is it just, I know, and I know you asked it, and obviously I feel a bit bad, but I do think it's right to ask it. Is it just wait and see, like, from Thiago, Bagsetic, are we just at the mercy of what's happening? Yeah, well, I mean, Klopp, Klopp said to me in, in a press conference a few weeks back that Thiago sort of in the new year is, is the expected date. And I haven't seen anything that makes me think otherwise or, or, or any sort of change to that. I know seeing him coming into training is exciting, but he's not playing a part in full training. He's still doing rehab. So I have no reason to doubt that timeline in terms of having him back in the new year. I think Andy Robertson, very similar, yeah. still coming in to do his rehab. Again, new year. Baitetic is one where they're not putting a timescale on it. But again, I get the impression that that is a similar sort of, if you can get him back in the new year, they're sort of happy with that. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. So they're, they're all, you know, we, we've got to get the other side of December then to, to, to get those back. But I think, you know, there's hopefully better news to come from this press conference that's going to happen tomorrow on Jota and, and McAllister. I, I would love to see both of them back for this. Yeah. Next like I said, even if it's, they can just make a sub appearance and then that sets them up to start that against Arsenal, that would be absolutely fantastic but we'll have to see but you know McAllister in particular I'm, so, I'm still amazed that he missed the United game really because of the, how it was being spoken about when he got the injury I was just surprised it ended up being quite as bad as it did but uh, again you know Klopp's described him as a tough player someone who will play through a little bit of pain so I just can't see how he's that far off I, I, you know like I say it, it wouldn't be a huge shock if he's back for midweek it's similar with Jota with him having been running, running for so long now he really should be close to being in contention um, and, and and getting those two back would be a would be a massive boost because I think the the two players who would have started on Sunday if they'd been fit and, and and would start against Arsenal if they're ready. So fingers crossed they are. Yeah, indeed. It's just it's that typical Liverpool thing. All the intimations are it's close, and then Alexis McAllister just posts photos, which again sends people crazy because he's on crutches, he's got all sorts of things like blood being drained from his knees. So. That fuels all sorts of things. But yeah, it would be massive. No two ways about it ahead of it. It's just, it's a huge week again. So we're all hoping for some Christmas presents. And speaking of Christmas presents, just for the record, David has not seen these. He doesn't know the Christmas questions that are coming. So it's just a few Christmas ones that are popping in to sort of finish before that period. So the first one, it's not even football related, David. A weird question that came in, but it just sprung to mind. Best and worst thing on a Christmas dinner? Oh, uh, best things probably uh, pigs in blankets, yes. hands down. Just, just no doubt. It's just meat on meat. So nice, yeah. salty. Love them. Absolutely love them. 
Uh, worst thing, I, honestly, I, I don't, I can't say I dislike anything at Christmas dinner. I, you know, you probably have to be harsh and pick one of the veggies because let's be, let's be honest, they're not as exciting as the, the meat or the potatoes, are they? But I'm, I can't knock a Christmas dinner. I can't, I can't wait for it. I love it. Yeah, true. It's not sprouts. They will go for Oh, me. do you know They'd what? Actually, yeah. I would never... Uh, yeah, I'm not a sprouts fan. They're, they're for me, yeah. I, I, they, they uh, The reason I wouldn't even think of those is because they wouldn't end up on my Christmas dinner. Don't don't like sprouts. Yeah, they are. They're horrid <laughs> things. No two ways about it. This this was an interesting one as well. Best thing about being a football journal and worst thing around the Christmas period. I think the best thing is sort of, it's kind of nice to be, you know, the games are coming thick and fast and you're constantly out at matches and, and, and press conferences and your weeks sort of set themselves up and everyone's, I don't know, there's just this nice feel around the place, you know, when you go to the training ground around matches and the, the trees up and and sort of everyone's in that nice mood and, and when you see everyone, it's like, okay, I'll see, you know, see you after Christmas, have a nice time and everyone's just, everyone's mood's lifted, so that's really, really nice and like I say, if, you know, the results are going well and the games are, are good, then, you know, you really, really are enjoying it. Um, and so, yeah, especially when you've got a week like this as well, actually, from a Liverpool perspective. I know yesterday didn't go to plan, but, it, you know, this is an exciting time and, 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 you know, Liverpool fans should really sort of take as much enjoyment out of this festive period and this week yeah. as, as they can, really. And the worst thing, I suppose, is the fact that because there are so many matches, you do in a lot of work around Christmas time. So, for example, my wife's going to be off as of Thursday till for about a couple of weeks from work. And I think a lot of people who do normal jobs get to do that. Uh, unfortunately not the case for me so uh, I'll be really really busy over Christmas and that yeah that's one of the downsides but can't complain too much because it's it's going to football matches it's going to press conferences it's yeah it's yeah. it's really it, the, there are much more difficult jobs than the one I've got so uh, yeah even even the downsides I can't get too down about yeah un- understandable and yeah bit big games as well and maybe I don't know why this, someone's got a catering theme possibly coming throughout but this was an interesting one as well when you go into sort of the acts or in different bits or the away grounds as a journalist best catering around the christmas period is the one that you look forward to or go into at all well so it's a, it's a topic of like hot debate amongst journalists really which grounds have got the best food like anfield's pretty poor if i'm honest never no, it's not been great for a long time um but like some of the best are city's always incredible uh, and they always have as well as like four or five choices of food which is just like, expertly cooked as well it's beautiful uh, they always have like pick and mix and nice things like that so it's really really good at City um, and Chelsea's always up there as well to to on it, that that they always do an amazing spread for for journalists as well so um yeah that that they are really good places to go for your food and um yeah I heard I had Lute, I didn't go to Luton this season actually but I heard Luton was quite good so um, maybe they're they're a new contender who've, who've come into it this season but yeah, some some of the food you get some places is incredible, and even the places where you don't, you still you're getting free food while you're at work. So again, yeah. couldn't really complain about that, can you? Hey, do you know what? Maybe there's a podcast series we get. I'll host it. We'll get you, Ian Doyle, James Pearson, Neil oh. Jones, and we can wax lyrical about or hear Ian Doyle yeah, complain they've about. Got, they've all got big opinions on this stuff as well. This is what you, we, I often debate with those guys as well about it. So yeah, interesting. There you go. What? what the patch journals talk about behind the scenes, who knows type of things. That's the insight. And the final question, and this is hyper-specific, but I like the way someone asked this. They said, it's shaped as if Santa offered you. So if Santa offered you the chance now to say, we'll finish top four, but you'll put like a Carabao and the Europa on the champion's wall, or 
you can let it run till the end of the season. What I love this because putting you right on the spot. What would you do? I mean, the sensible thing, and I think you know, if you were Jurgen Klopp in terms of your, your long, you know, state one, how you want the job to go, I think you probably yeah. take that because it's adding more trophies and, and, and memorable days, and and obviously securing top four is the is the number one aim this season. As he always said, hasn't he? But I think. You know what? I'd let it run because I just think Man City are, are not what they were. They don't look at this season. I think there's 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 genuine. I know they've they've had poor starts to season before and then just run away with it. But I think there are genuine a couple of, couple of issues that team has got. And going for the fourth in a row, it's never happened before for good reason. So, and obviously, if Liverpool can end up in a title race with Arsenal, I know Mikel Arteta's done an incredible job, but the mental side of that. Have Liverpool not just got the slight edge? You know, I, I just think they, they seem a tougher team and a tougher manager. So, I, you know, I'd let it run. Let it run and, and see if Liverpool do a quadruple of their own this season. I, I just think, you know, I know things are going poorly at the moment and Liverpool haven't played particularly well, but I just think we've seen, we've seen, this team can be more in it. And I, I, think I'd, I think I'd just let them have a crack at it because, you know, I've got faith in the manager more than anything. Yeah, absolutely. And, there you have it, people. We love pigs in blankets. We despise sprouts. Yeah. <laughs> Patch journalists have got big opinions on food and catering at grounds and we'd let it run to see. So, yeah, there's, it's a big week coming up and hopefully the next time we speak, somewhere, probably somewhere in between Christmas, New Year, wherever it may be, everything is looking rosy. So all it really leads me to say is, and I should really say this on behalf of, thank you for answering all those questions. Thank you for, for your time as ever. And thank you for everything so far this year, David. It's been much appreciated by all our listeners and subscribers. So it is important I say that. Thanks for your time. No, thanks for, very much for having me. And I, I genuinely appreciate everyone who tunes in. And, and it's always enjoyable talking to you as well, Dave. So yeah, everyone uh, who's listening, have a Merry Christmas as well. And we'll, uh, we'll speak to you after that. Yeah, indeed. Do enjoy your Christmas. Whatever happens with the football, there are more important things. I know it's crazy to say, but that was another Media Matters for Anfield Index. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.